Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not look. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, everyone. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. On a Wednesday, January 10th, we have a jam-packed show on this Women of Wagertainment Wednesday that gets underway in just moments as we talk about the coaching merry-go-round in the National Football League. At 620, so many openings right now, so we're going to rank the current job openings in the NFL, followed by a look at the NBA at 640 and a rant by the Raptors head coach after some shenanigans last night in L.A. During the 7 o'clock hour, we will play Read and React, followed by a visit from the always entertaining Lucy Burge at 7.20. And during the 8 o'clock hour, a preview of the Dolphins and Chiefs on Saturday as we bring in the woman covering the game for Westwood One, Olivia Harlan-Decker. Beck UL's Kate Constable joins us for her football picks at 8.20, maybe some basketball as well. And then we bring you our best bets and the Doxer at 8.45. Chelsea, how are you on this? midweek it's a wednesday and it looks like you're in an amazing mood well your lighting looks better did you guys get new does lights? it your pick mm. really good i don't know if it's the internet bill looks better no well it looks okay we've got the there is a room outside of the studio i don't know what's going on in the studio but we came in on all of the lights in this mini auditorium which are outside of our broadcast studio or on. So it's maybe better, but also like one half of my face is lit. So it's a, it's a uh, little bit better, maybe. Yeah, that's what's going on. I so you're seeing all that ambient light. Does it? I never know. Yeah. Just put a soft filter like I can on me. I see your face better. No, oh, that's I good. I can definitely see Bill's face better. Uh, so maybe oh, you stick with it. That's not so good. So from an unbiased. <laughs> me neither, buddy. Oh, all right. Well, I was trying. We to don't want to be seen, Chelsea. Once. We don't want to be. We want to be heard, not seen. You got the great light. You look great. You're dressed up. I threw on an old sweater, old ratty sweater from the old dusty bin in the closet. I don't feel great this morning. You can tell us in my voice. It's so low this morning, and I got this weird lighting. I say, let's come up with an AI generation me that's about 15 years younger. Then we'd be cooking. Oh, that's kind of scary. Have you seen the corporate pictures that people have generated with AI? They look so perfect. But obviously, it's like the perfect version of themselves. So that's the problem. We are competing with that now. So if I have a hair out of place, if I have like one mark on my face, it's like, oh, she must really be losing it because I don't look like the AI people. So it is a tough standard to keep up with but jinx i was trying to start off the show with a little positivity let's go in the month the month of january is hard enough i literally Mm. was listening to a motivational podcast yesterday from tony robbins and he was like (laughs) you you know shows yeah january sucks like i feel pretty clear how much i hate january like seasonal depression is upon me that's old school tony robbins did you do sweat into the oldies when you worked out after that? Took it way back? Maybe the Thigh Master? Theo Vaughn's podcast. 
You've heard oh, of Theo Vaughn, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think for sure. he's one of, like, the hip new podcasters. He's a stand-up comedian, too. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny. He gets a lot of great guests. Uh, it's not the podcast that we have. You can search the Daily Tip wherever you get your <laughs> podcast. Um, but he was saying, and I was trying to take this seriously and take something out of it because, you know me, always being sarcastic and trying to poke holes in everything. But he was saying you build your self-esteem by doing difficult things. And so, Mm. you know, you could sit around and do easy things, but the way that you really build your inner self-esteem that's not based on the world around you and not based on like others' opinions of you is to accomplish difficult tasks. So I was like, you know what? I think I can get through January. It's a difficult task, but let's build that self-esteem, baby. Oh man, I feel like I'm just the opposite. Put like a TV guide crossword in front of me, a simple puzzle, something like that. Maybe I get Wordle in four. And I'm like, look at me crushing life right now. You put a really difficult task in front of me, like if I had to rock climb or something. Oh, my God. My self-esteem would be crushed. For me, I will say this. One thing that I am working on in the new year, I feel like I'm losing my voice, is self-talk. I'm terrible the way I talk to myself, like the things I tell myself. I've had people that I don't even know that well say, you should be a lot easier on yourself. So that's something I'm trying to work on in the new year. So I will say Tony Robbins certainly is an expert in that area. I am not, but that's good advice. I just want to say for the video viewers, I did have a booger that was hanging out of my nose. I did get oh, it. Chelsea. Um, But I think I'm God getting bless. sick. I think I'm one of those people that's getting sick because I don't feel sick during the day, but at night it's kind of miserable. Like, isn't that the worst? Like you feel yes. great all day yes. and then you lay down. You're like, why is only one side of my nose working? That is the most Chelsea, maddening thing. No one saw that booger. No one saw that boogie coming out of your nose. Only you saw it. But now they're going to be rewind the tape. Let's see if we can zoom in and see if we can find out what's going on there. Picking for gold. I'm definitely getting sick. This Listen to this going down. It's into my chest right now. Yesterday I was up in my oh. nasal cavity, and now I'm going to sound like Barry White before the end of the show. It's going to be great. But, no, I did not even notice that. But I would encourage, if you're on Twitch right now, twitch.tv slash betQI, if you can find a screenshot of that, I'd love to see it. Send it to me, Jinx DC. Well, I'm it. sick. I'm sick, and I had a booger. You know what? Give me a break. <laughs> I don't understand why it's such a big deal to, like, pick a booger. Like, if you do it real quick, you know, like, sometimes it's hard and you got to get out with your finger. Like, I understand that you're supposed to use a Kleenex and blow your nose, Uh but sometimes you got to get it out. And I think I have just normally can do it when nobody's watching, but we're on the show for, like, three hours. So I didn't want to wait. Well, congratulations on successfully picking that booger that was bothering you. I did not anticipate starting the show this way. I hope you're feeling better. But yes, you're correct. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do when you're not feeling well. There you yeah, go. Yeah, what's the saying? Sometimes you can pick your boogers, but you can't pick your bets. Oh, That's the saying for me last night. <laughs> Tell what? us about your bets. Tell us. Yes, it is. We're going to. Management would love nothing more. I would love nothing more than to have a booger themed show for the next three hours. I don't know if that's ever been done. In the history of radio, you know, well, Guillermo Marconi would be so proud. Oh, yes. Self-esteem is built by doing difficult things. This is a difficult task, but I think we're up to the challenge. 
All right. So uh, the one that really bothered me last night was Texas A&M getting seven and a half. I went back and forth on this bet in college hoops. And the bottom line for Texas A&M is that their offense sometimes really struggled. And that was the case last night against this red hot Auburn team. The handicap was if there is a team that can keep up with Auburn, it's Texas A&M. In fact, they had won six of the last seven meetings coming into this one, 3-0 and straight up and against the spread in their last three meetings. Bruce Pearl even talked about it. This is a team that matches up really well with Auburn. But Auburn pulled away late in this game, won 66-55, to a low-scoring affair. But, Jenks, I didn't want to talk about it on the show because you know I don't like jinxing things. But okay. I feel like my college basketball plays had been good, and I knew yeah. that I was kind of due for a bad one. So... Uh, I took that with a grain of salt. I knew it was coming. Well, your picks have been fantastic, and not just this week, but over the past few weeks. So you're right about that. At some point, just the law of averages and how betting works, as you know, is going to come back to bite you. But yeah, your picks have been spot on. So no shame in one loss. No big deal. I got a win in the NBA last night. I don't believe it. Now I got a couple Woo! this season. Five. Woo! Let's go. I'm a basketball guy. Come on. Knicks laying 11 and a half hosting the Blazers. I got this early on. It did not matter because the Knicks roll 112-84. I saw a bunch of people on New York as the day went on yesterday. And, man, they have been a wagon since that trade. The Blazers went a tough spot. They've been on the road since what? December, didn't you tell me that yesterday? And then, of course, being across mm-hmm. the country is difficult to do. So that was a dub. Dogster needed a couple wins and got them as well. Had Alabama laying 12, hosting South Carolina. Bama wins 74-47, an easy dub there. And Jackets, Jets under 6.5. The Jets continue to stay hot. They win 5 nothing. So for the week, you are 1-1. One and one. I am 3-0, and oh, and the Dogster is 2 and two, it is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. I'm Jinx. She's Chelsea. That's the Donkster. Bill's here. Matt's here. Double D's here. Your booger's gone. So the crew's ready to go for three full hours. You know who else is gone? Your guy, Titans head coach, Mike Vrabel, fired yesterday after going 13-21 and 21 during his final two seasons, hired in 2016, went 54-45 and 45 overall, Here's Titans GM Rand Carthon on the decision. There's been a lot of speculation over the last, you know, two, three months or whatever it's been about the nature of Mike and I's relationship. I will say that Mike and I, we've never had any issue versus whether it's personal or professional. Uh, I don't think we failed. I just think, um, you know, um, one of the things Mike's always says is that the ball isn't round, so you don't know how it's going to bounce, you know, and I don't think the... Uh, the ball bounced our yes. way. Every every decision that we made was unanimous. Uh, Mike and I, we speak every morning, um, whether I come to his office or he comes to my office. I was out front from the moment I got hired through the spring, um, you know, throughout that whole process. And I just felt like whether right or wrong, you know, and it's something for me to learn from as we move forward. Um, I just felt like the, the fall should have been about, you know, the players and the coaches. I don't know the nature of his conversations uh, with Miss Amy about, you know, him being traded. Um, I do understand the question about a trade. It's just not as simple um, and cut and dry, you know, move forward. Of, of course, I've never had to run a run or be a part of an interview search or interview a head coach. I've, I've never done it, you know, but then I lean on my experiences in growing up, you know, in a household raised by a coach, you know, and a lot of the coaches that I've been around, I've, you know, reached out to. So Chelsea, 
what was something I thought was fascinating about this decision is that the controlling owner of the team, Amy Adams Strunk, came out and said, we didn't want to trade Mike Vrabel because that process is infinitely more difficult than trading a player. And yes, it can be done, but it takes longer because of the NFL rulebook. So we wanted to get someone in here as soon as possible and not wait out the process. Personally, I think that's a mistake. If you have an asset, I don't care how long it takes. You take advantage of having that asset and make your team better. What do you think? Because you, I mean, we're talking about your team here. I think the the justification is there are a finite amount of good coaches out there because that's the thing. When you we fire a head coach, you want to make sure the guy after him is even better. And there are not that many guys out there, it feels like, who have this resume. So I think they wanted to get a jump on it. And this even came later than I think a lot of people expected. I think there was a divide between the national media and the local media. Because yesterday, didn't this mm-hmm. feel like a shock to most people that Mike Vrabel was fired? Like this was one of the quote unquote hot seats, but I think a lot of people did not expect it to happen. But here in local sports talk radio, they have been talking about this for weeks. So clearly there were some things going on behind the scenes that maybe people didn't know about because the debate yesterday was, is Mike Vrabel actually a good coach? And I don't think this is even the debate that needs to be had because you can be great at your job, but if you're not getting along with the front office, if you are you know, vetoing a lot of these moves that the owner wants to make, you can be fired for that. Think about any walk of life. You can be good at your job, but if you, you know, don't get along with management, if you are constantly, you know, battling with the GM of whatever job you have, you could definitely mm-hmm. be fired for that. So it feels to me that that was the reason here. Mike Vrabel did not like some of the trades that they were making, sending some of their best players to the Eagles, and I think that is ultimately why he's leaving Tennessee. So we'll see. I listened to that press conference with the GM and I feel Uh like it was a lot of coach speak because I don't think they want to back themselves into a corner for whatever head coach they're going to be hiring. Because my first thought was, okay, you have a young quarterback with a lot of promise. Let's go out and find a good offensive minded head coach. But they wouldn't say, you know, what type of coach they were looking for. All they Mm -hmm. said was, you know, this is our first time conducting, you know, this head coaching search. So we'll see. It feels like you shouldn't have done this without a great candidate in mind. And maybe they do. But Jenks, as somebody who does not live in Nashville, what was your take here? Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I'm honestly, if I were a Titans fan, I'd be pissed off right now. When you admit, oh, this process of trading our head coach is too complicated. That's your job. Mike Vrabel is an asset. The fact that he's out there right now, you know there's going to be a ton of Patriots talk because that's his former team, won three rings with New England. He is certainly a a certifiable and a very successful head coach in the NFL. He has the resume Mm -hmm. to go out and be successful again with a different franchise. So, you know, when the Saints had Sean Payton and the Broncos wanted him, did the Saints just say, oh, this is complicated. He's still under contract here. Let's just not do anything. No, they said, let's get something here. Little things like this 
are things that you have that work to your advantage that can make your franchise better. And I understand the argument that, yeah, you don't want to waste time, but you're going to make the next head coach have an even more difficult job when you could have more assets under your franchise's umbrella. Coming up next here on the show, if you had your pick of the current head coach openings in the NFL, which one would you choose and which ones would you avoid? We're going to talk about that next on The Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Back on a Wednesday. Daily Chip and BetQL presented by BetMGM. Coming up on the show, we will debate the best and worst head coach openings in the National Football League. We're just talking about Mike Vrabel being out in Tennessee. Chelsea, I don't really have a place to work this in. Maybe during the 7 o'clock hour, but you're hosting that hour. And we will ask Lucy Burge about this. We were talking yesterday about Joe Coy and him hosting the Golden Globes. So let me ask you this. Who is the best comedian you've ever seen? And who is the worst comedian you've ever seen? I'm a big comedy person, so I've seen a billion comedians over the years, and I've seen some that were eh. Did you ever have an amazing experience or a really bad experience watching someone perform comedy? I have never seen a stand-up comedian. Uh, in what? Person. I listen to a ton of stand-up comedy as I oh, go wow. to sleep, um, but I've never seen anybody in person. So does it count listening on Spotify? No, <laughs> like, no. Well, just because then I got nothing. Well, no, I, I, that's surprising to me. I've seen a ton of live comedy. My favorite of all time is Norm MacDonald before he passed. I saw Normie four times. I've seen Dice Clay. I've seen Bill Burr probably three times. I love Bill Burr. I've seen Chris Rock a couple times. I want to see Chappelle because he always comes back to D.C. because he's a D.C. guy. I mean, I've seen Tom Green, surprisingly exceptional. I would never think that. I've seen a ton of people from SNL. I saw Pete Davidson before he hit it big. I can go down the list, but the worst comedian I've ever seen, I'll never forget this, and you have not heard of this guy. When I was in Austin, it was not open mic night. I forget who I was seeing. It was a long time ago, and you know how it is. They usually have, if you go to a comedy show, they usually have three performers. They have an opener, then they sort of have a a middle act, and then the main act. Not always, but generally. And so I'm in Austin at the Austin Comedy Club, whatever it was back in the day, and the guy gets on the mic and says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the microphone. His first ever appearance here, Spider Lope. And I'm like, all right, let's see what you got, Spider. He had one joke. He lasted about five minutes. And he gets up there and he goes, all right, thank you. Thank you. So hi, uh, nervous kid. Hi, hi. I got a a roommate, right? And uh, I come home the other night and he's in the, the bedroom with his girlfriend and they're having sex. And we're like, okay, that was the punchline. Okay, so, you know, kind of nervous laughter. We're like, all right, give it another shot, Spider. And he goes, okay, so last week 
I'm at church, right? I'm at church. And it was church we're talking about. And my roommate's there with his girlfriend. And then we get back home and they're in the next room and they're having sex. Again. I mean, just like, oof, this oh, guy. No. And then, oh, man, every joke had that same punchline. And then Spider got the hook pretty quick. And then it was... Give it up for Spider oh. Lopez. Oh, my God. I just remember that name because of the way it rolls off the tongue. Spider Lopez. Sounds great, right? Not good. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first and last appearance ever for Spider Lopez. I did see Dice Clay in Vegas. I wish I could tell you what he told me because I sat on the front row. He was a cheap seat, and I was like, I'll go. And guess what? He tore me apart. Me and my ex-girlfriend, future wife at the time, he came out and eviscerated me, and it was awesome. He's, I, I can't even tell you what he told me to my face, but I kept laughing because I get, I get the bet, right? And so he kept coming back to me, and he kept looking at me and going, I like this effing guy, because he knew I could count on me because I thought it was hilarious. But I've generally had pretty good experiences, and also the one other time that I hated. My friend Laura wanted me to go to a, a show with her, and I did not realize she's one of those people that likes to yell out things to the comedian. And that is the worst. And people kept looking at us. She's interrupting the act. And I'm hiding my face because I thought, this is something you don't do. And so afterwards, she was like, that was so much fun. I said, Laura, I said, if we, I will never go with you again if you do that, ever. And she goes, they like it. I go, no, they don't know that you are not part of the show. They do not like it. You think they like, they don't like it. I go, I am not going to sit through that again. I was squirming the entire time. And that that was even worse than Spider Lopez because people kept looking at me. I'm like, I'm not saying any of this. I'm shutting my mouth. I'm trying to have a good time. That was awful. That does sound awful. Um, but bad. I feel like there is nothing a stand-up comedian could say to my face that is worse than what I already think of myself. Do you ever think that? And like when people are trying to insult you and you're like, good luck, brother. Yeah. I I know this face. I know this body. I know, you know, the worst things about myself. So yeah. go ahead and try. I'm pretty sure the thought has already been had. What if a comedian came out like Dice Clay did and started talking about very private things that you and Jake would do that were very nasty? Would that make you feel uncomfortable? I'm not going to go down that road, but that's what Dice Clay was doing. And that's a different type of making fun of someone because then you're getting into personal stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you know his act like he'll say anything. So is that even an insult or is it just gross? Like, did it just make you squirm because of the sexual nature or was it like it's hard hilarious. to like talk about it without knowing it? But was I know, it insulting? I know. Or was no, it, just it was just. It was just outlandish. It was just outlandish. Uh He was talking about things we might do in front of our parents. That's what it was. And I was on the front row. We got these cheap tickets. I'm like, great. We're in Vegas. It'll be a quick show. And we walk in. And I swear to God, the bouncer goes, you guys know you're on the front row, right? And we're like, oh. And I mean, I was literally like I'm at at this desk, like sitting on the stage. Like there was a table, a couple chairs. I can just lean on the stage. So as soon as he came out, I'm like the first guy he sees. And then boom, start taking shots. I guess it depends. If you're in the right mindset, I feel like it's fine. But he did not hold back at all. Do all comedians do this? Like, obviously, I've never been to a stand-up comedian Mm -mm. show. Um, So I guess that you were supposed to know that. Like, that being on the first row 
but the ones that I see on Netflix, like obviously, you know, I've never been, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it feels like most of their show, 99% of their show is not about audience members, but maybe it's because they're Netflix tapings and they don't yeah. want it like that specific because I feel like those type of bits only do well for the people in the audience, correct? For sure. And ultimately, every now and then you'll see a comedian maybe bring in an audience member or make a quick aside. But for the most part, comedians don't want interaction with the audience, right? That's why they make fun of people. If somebody yells something, they snap back. Once in a while, it's funny. But for the most part, they're there to perform without anyone interfering. Well, Chelsea, we saw some bad performances this year. Not in comedy, but in the NFL as head coaches. So we got the Commanders, the Panthers, the Falcons, Raiders, Chargers, and your types. These are currently the openings in the National Football League. So let's rank these. Of the current openings in the NFL, what franchise, what job do you think is numero uno? Best job available right now. (sighs) I go back and forth on this, but I do think it's the Chargers. Because isn't the hardest Mm. position in the NFL to perfect and draft and hit on is the quarterback, right? And I think we've decided that Justin Herbert is a pretty solid prospect. He won NFL Rookie of the Year. And I feel like the knock on the Chargers has not been the talent on the field. It feels to me that they've had a lot of talent on that Chargers team. It's just a matter of the coach. So I feel like if you plug in, you know, a good head coach, it's almost the opposite problem that Mike Frabel has had with the Titans. The Titans have not had a good roster of talent. Like the teams that Mike Vrabel has had to work with have not been good. The year that they went mm-hmm. to the, you know, they were the number one overall seed in the AFC, they had the most injuries of any team in the NFL. So I think you start with that. The fact that it feels like there is the most potential for the Chargers. I agree. That's number one on my list. When you have a franchise quarterback, you want to build around that player, build around that quarterback. So we are in simpatico there. Now let's get a little bit more interesting. Number two, second best available job right now in the NFL. I feel like some of these are interchangeable. So can we do a little switcheroo and start with the worst? Like, can we do the worst job? Because I think this one's the actual... Right? It has to be the Panthers. Panthers. Their franchise is a mess. And have you seen the videos of the owner? That doesn't (laughs) seem like the guy that I would want to work for. David Tepper is a guy that has been running franchises into the ground. Apparently, he's done this with the soccer team in Charlotte, too. And now there's videos of him throwing alcohol on fans (laughs) at a game. This has to be rock bottom. (sighs) So, number one, you have a terrible boss. Number two, you don't have a lot of talent to work with. Number three, the draft capital is gone because they traded it all away for Bryce Young. So it just feels like a nowhere job to me. Like, would you want to go to the Panthers? I know it's an NFL job and somebody will take it, but this feels like a recipe for failure. No, you keep hearing that he's the, the new age version of Dan Snyder. Not a compliment, by the way. You don't want to be associated with Dan Snyder at all at all but you're right there's that video of him throwing a drink and now you're I don't want to say stuck with Bryce Young it's only been a year but the early returns are not good when you're talking about a league that doesn't give quarterbacks young quarterbacks a long leash to begin with and you're looking at CJ Stroud 
leading his team to the playoffs, and then Bryce Young, who was leading the worst offense in the NFL this season. So for now, you're stuck with a guy who doesn't look like a franchise quarterback. You've got a guy who has a history of running franchises into the ground. Yeah, I think the Panthers are dead last. So I'm like you. I had Chargers number one, had Panthers at the bottom, and then in the middle, it's really hard to say, oh, this is a hard number two, number three, number four, number five. But if you had to give it a go here, I'm not going to hold you to it. What franchise is maybe second best to the Chargers? I'm going to throw one out there that might surprise you. How about the Raiders? Am I wrong here? Because, first of all, I don't think the Raiders are going to hire a new head coach. They're going to keep Antonio Pierce. And I was talking about this yesterday with Fred Smoot, we were doing our podcast with the commanders, which is there's two things you need out of a head coach. Certainly you want a guy who knows X's and O's, but also you want a leader. So when you look at Josh McDaniels, for example, sure, he might be great with a playbook. The problem is he's not a leader and players don't respond to him. Did you know from weeks eight to week 17, the Raiders allowed the fewest points in the National Football League? They've got a young quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. Tom Brady is a member of the minority ownership group. They've got a brand new stadium. And Antonio Pierce has already taken over that team. And to a man, after the season, the Raiders said, we got to keep this guy. This guy's a leader. This guy's a leader. This guy's been there. He's been a winner. He's been to the playoffs. We want to keep him. Is that a crazy thought? Because I feel like it might not be so nuts after all. I don't think it's a bad job. And I do think that somebody will have at least the pathway to success there. Because like you said, look at the Raiders, the second half of the season this year. There are some good pieces. You're in Las Vegas, which is a friendly place, I think, for free agents. But I think the one knock is, and maybe this is actually a good thing, they're currently mm-hmm. searching for a GM, are they not, as, as well as a head coach? So I don't know if that kind of instability at the top is a good thing or a bad thing. Because I guess if you're a new head coach, maybe you can have more say if it's not an entrenched GM. But I don't know. Maybe that's the one X factor there. Who else do you like? What about your Titans? We were just talking about Mike Vrabel being fired. So where do they rank on this list? Here is the other factor, I think, in ranking how attractive a head coaching job is. And that is cap space. You look at the two Mm -hmm. teams that have the most cap space for next season. It's the Commanders. And the Titans, and then also the Patriots, who may have a job opening at some point. Who knows? It seems like uh, we're just playing a waiting game with uh, Bill Belichick. But you look at the Titans and the Commanders, I think you start from there and you say, okay, who has the brighter future at quarterback? And I do think it's the Titans. I think a lot of this is tied into whether you believe in Will Levis is the future of the franchise. I happen to think so. So I do think the Titans have a bright future. They've got all that cap space. They've got a number seven overall pick this year in the NFL draft. But I'm not so sure about the ownership. Because isn't this tied into how much you believe the – how good the ownership is? Because ownership obviously plays a role in a head coach's success as well. I'm not sure if I trust the Titans' ownership. Constantly trading players away to the Eagles? I don't know. What about the commanders? I think the commanders are very interesting in a big way. And you can call me a homer, but if you want to look at this objectively, Josh Harris gave Ron Rivera a chance. Ron Rivera didn't get it done. And by the way, as opposed to the Titans, as soon as the commanders decided to part ways with Rivera, immediately they had a plan in place. 
They hired former Warriors GM Bob Myers. I think that's an inspired choice to sort of lead this search. Former Vikings GM Rick Spielman. So Josh Harris has already proven, unlike Dan Snyder, I'm not going to make all the decisions based on my ego alone. What I'm going to do is hire very good people and let them lead the process. Talk about all that cap space. I think the commanders are very interesting right now. Coming up next year on the show, an early morning look at today's slate in the association. And if we can find some value before the lines get to moving, that is on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by Madam Jim. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It is a Women of Wagertainment Wednesday on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger, live in Nashville. Coming up, what we think of today's schedule in the NBA, including a potential finals matchup between the Timberwolves and the Celtics. I don't know if you guys saw this last night, but the Raptors lost to the Lakers out west, 132-131. Now, Toronto had a late three-pointer that would have tied this game. It was waved off because of a really questionable charging call. But there were questionable calls all game long, and especially in the fourth quarter. The Lakers got to shoot more than 23, 23 free throws exactly in the fourth quarter. The Raptors got to shoot two. That's it. It's amazing with that discrepancy, this was only a one-point game. So afterwards, Raptors head coach Darko Ryakovich was absolutely livid, and he let the referees and the league have it. Players in our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league. He goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you going to explain it that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been holding it back, it's a complete crap. Coach, do you feel like you're getting any explanations at all? That offensive foul, did you did you see like get any explanation? No, no, there is no explanation. They just they just come up there, they review what and they see what they want to see. They don't want to hear us what we got to say. They don't want to hear the players. They they they, they don't just want to protect us. Over again, they got 36 free throws, 23 free throws in, in the fourth quarter. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? How are we gonna supposed to play? Good. I love this. Now, the only the only disagreement I have, I don't think Scotty Barnes is going to be the face of the NBA. <laughs> maybe not. Very good player. Maybe not the face of the league. Regardless, that's not the point. The point is, you're talking about a huge discrepancy, 23 free throws to two, and of course, of course, what's the underlying theme here? The team that gets the 23 free throws? It's LeBron's team. It's the superstar getting the call. 
And I have to say, the highlights that I watched, some of these calls were very suspect, very specious. He's not wrong. And I, he's going to get fined out the wazoo. He's going to have to pay so much money to Adam Silver. But you know what, Chelsea? I think it's worth it. I do think it's worth it because as a coach, you got to stand up for your team. When your team is just getting bullied out there by the referees, because mm-hmm. just the free throw disparity by itself, isn't that enough proof? Like one would think that professional athletes, professional basketball players on both sides of the ball, the foul discrepancy would not be that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 23 to two when it comes to free throws in the fourth quarter when it matters the most in a one point game, we're not talking about a blowout. We're not talking about a game that was not close. This probably decided the game. So I think he has every single right to be mad. And this feels like the NBA's worst kept secret is that the stars get the calls. So maybe his rant on Scotty Barnes was his attempt to try to get Scotty Barnes in that conversation to say, hey, you need to start giving him the calls because he is a star. Because, Jenks, it feels like we have known this for a while, that the stars get the calls. Like, hasn't this been the case for a long time? The NBA is a player's league, especially if that player is a star. And it's funny to me because we had an epic rant from another Raptors player, not even a calendar year ago. Mm -hmm. It was back in March, Fred Van Vliet playing for the Raptors then, went on a rant about a certain referee saying it was the worst performance he's ever seen. This is changing the complexion of the game. And I feel like in the NBA and especially in basketball, Mm -hmm. don't you feel like referees have the most pull over a game when it comes to the game of basketball compared to any other sport? I could be wrong here, but it feels like they can make a difference. Absolutely. And I... I agreed that at some point a coach has to stand up and say, this is ridiculous. Stars are always going mm-hmm. to get calls. That's happened since the beginning of time. We sort of expect that, right? Once you establish yourself, honestly, in any sport, football, but especially basketball, because it can be so individualized. You know, if you have a guy just driving to the lane or on a box out, whatever it is, if you are a, a player with the basketball and you're a star in the league, then you're going to get more calls more often than not. I get that. But When it becomes such a disparity and so ridiculous, that's when you have to say, all right, this is enough. When you're when you're actively costing our team a game, it's it's amazing that the Raptors lost this game by a point with that sort of disparity. And again, they hit a three point shot that would have tied this game. Referees, nope, waved it off. And it was a weak, weak charging call. Even the Raptors announcers were like, come on, man. Like, come on. It was so over the top. So, yeah, the NBA is going to find Toronto's head coach. But my hope is that quietly they'll say, we need to get this under control a little bit. Well, they've got to do something with the referees. Because if you're finding yeah. the head coaches for, you know, complaining about it, I feel like the referees should get fined or punished in some regard if they have a bad game. It's the same thing as players. They should have to do maybe not press conferences, even though I think a lot of us would like to see that. But there's got to be some sort of, you know, consequence for a bad game because in the NBA, it can certainly cost a team a game. And I will say in the era of social media, this is how you draw attention to things. Because how many of us will be talking about the Toronto Raptors today if it weren't Mm -hmm. for this rant? So it feels like that's the route you got to go. Uh, in this day and age. 
It certainly is. We'll see how this plays out. But yeah, Darko is going to get going to get fined a lot of money. I'm glad he did it, though. Chelsea, let's look at the card here on an NBA Wednesday. And let's start with the marquee game in Boston. Timberwolves visiting the Celtics. Celtics laying six and a half. The Celtics are minus 275 on the money line. The T-Wolves plus 220. Total set at 223 and a half. The Vecchio model loves the Celtics here, undefeated at home, but they do have to cover the number if you want to win this bet, unless you like them on the money line. What do you like? There's a lot of question marks in this one, especially when you start with Mm -hmm. the injury report for Boston. Al Horford, Drew Holiday, Porzingis, Jason Tatum, probable uh, for the Celtics. So those are some big pieces for the Celtics. And then you look at the other side, the Timberwolves coming off a back-to-back. Maybe you could say that the T-Wolves are in a good spot here just because they are a young team. And maybe coming off a back-to-back won't affect them too much. But it's also a back-to-back and... They're going on the road. Boston is not a particularly easy place to play. Uh, Line movement in this one has gone from six to seven. So money coming in on the Celtics here. Maybe that's the play, but I feel like I don't want to put my money on a team that has so many big question marks at the key positions. Maybe this is one you wait and see to what the final injury report may be. Yeah, I'm the same way. I would look at the under. Honestly, just because of the potential for so many players being out, that's kind of going against the trends here. But you are talking about two of the top five defensive teams in the NBA, but with the potential for some big names to be out, I would look at the under again with the total set at 223 and a half. Thunder at the Heat. Thunder laying four and a half points. The Thunder are minus 190 on the money line. The Heat are plus 155. Your total set at 234 and a hook. I'm going with the Thunder here. At some point, I know that these trends have to end in the NBA, but some trends end up being things you can follow throughout the season. At the end of the year, there will be a team that covers the number more than any other team in the NBA. And right now, the Thunder could be that team. They're 23-11-1 against the spread this season. And what I like about Oklahoma City is, particularly if you're talking about them down the stretches, they have such a high ceiling. Because they have SGA. But Chet Holmgren is essentially a rookie because he was out last year with an injury. And then Josh Giddy, I know he has legal troubles right now. But in the past couple weeks, he's come on as well. So when you talk about potential and a team that could get even better down the stretch, I think it's the Thunder. I'm going to lay the points with Oklahoma City and Miami. Yeah, I like the Thunder here as well. They've been pretty profitable on the road so far this season. 9-6-1 and one against the spread away And also, you look at the injury report for the Heat. Jimmy Butler is out for this game. Obviously, he's Mm -hmm. a big part of their offense. To me, it just feels like this game means more to Oklahoma City because I think I have seen people arguing about this. Jimmy Butler made some comments about the only thing he's playing for is the banners and the rafters. They were asking him about like regular season awards, and he was Mm -hmm. like, the regular season? And so you see a team like Oklahoma City, a young team with something to prove. It just feels like this game means a little bit more to Oklahoma City. And player for player, they are just as talented as just about anybody in the league. So I would lay the four and a half with the Thunder on the road here. Feels like this game just means more. It's like the SEC. I was going to get you to say that. It just means more. Okay, we've got a few more games on the card here. I'm going to ask you about Sixers, Hawks. Hawks are, is that right? Two and a half point favorites? Yes. Hawks minus 145 on the money line. The Sixers plus 120 total set at 245 and a half. 
is this worth playing or do you move on to a different game? No Embiid for Joel well, or no Embiid for the Sixers, and that's why you're seeing Atlanta as a favorite at home. Exactly. You saw this line, you knew from the second that they were getting points that Joel Embiid was out. Uh, yeah, probably a no play for me. But what about the Warriors as favorites tonight? At mm-hmm. one point, do you just fade the Warriors completely? This feels like a franchise that is in disarray. I don't think I would be pu- putting my money on the Warriors as favorites. Maybe when they're getting points, but hmm, Warriors as favorites? No, thank you, please. Just take the Pels in the money line, minus 105. Did you see Draymond come out of his meeting with Adam Silver after his Ugh. suspension and say, he convinced me not to retire because I told him I can't do this anymore. Well, then stop kicking people in the testes. Stop putting people in a headlock. You're not a victim. Just play basketball. Just play basketball. <laughs> Nobody's doing this to you. You're doing this. You're, oh, I can't keep doing this. Okay, then don't. Then don't do it. For that reason alone, I take the Pelicans. Draymond just frustrates me to no end. Coming up next here on the show, Jim Harbaugh has a choice to make, so what should he do? We're going to debate when we play Read and React. It is our two of the Daily Tip. Thank you, Al. Presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.